I've got to tell you straight up, rough message today. I had a great message prepared. I, I think the team might have got notes. I, I mean, can I just shout out to the media team? I dropped these notes on them, you know, at like 10.30 last night and uh, they rearranged everything because I had notes. I had a really well, really great message prepared. And as I was polishing it last night about 10 o'clock, the Holy Spirit, I felt the Holy Spirit just beginning to urge me and nudge me and just to do something totally different, to throw it all out. And so that's what we're going to do. Why would I do that? I'll tell you why I do it. Because it's 50 days since Passover. 50 days since Easter. And we celebrated, you know, Jesus death on our behalf and his resurrection for future promise. That's what we celebrated. And it's 50 days since, which we call Pentecost. It's Pentecost Sunday. And did you know what? I know it might be a well-kept secret. We're a Pentecostal church. We're a Pentecostal church. We actually believe that when we speak in tongues, we build ourselves up in our most holy faith, the way the Apostle James exhorted us to. We believe in miracles and healing. We believe God moves by His Spirit now and can touch your body, can touch your mind, can touch your friends, can touch your family. He is in the intervention business. We believe God speaks to His people today. Woo! I've just got to warn you, I could be tempted to preach today. <laughs> just a little bit. So it's a timely message. It sort of coincides as well with our Heart for the House season, which really actually starts very soft launch today. And, uh, and what we do is every year, we encourage the church to, to give towards future facilities. And as the last few years, we've been giving towards our childcare centre and those plans are still rolling, albeit quite agonisingly slowly. They are still grinding forward. And, um, and Sue and I encourage you to join us. What we do is we take uh, at least our week's wage, first one for the year, and we give it into the offering as a first fruits, believing for God's provision right through the year in a special way. And then whatever else we can find our hand to do. We're inviting you to join us with that. And why I say it sort of coincides with Pentecost is really well, because Pentecost, the feast, the Jewish feast, was actually, and where we know later God's spirit was poured out, but the Jewish feast was actually about harvest season and the bringing the first fruits of their early harvest. That's literally what Pentecost was. And so our generosity coincides with what was a great Bible marker for generosity. So that's all I'm going to say about Half of the House, but I'm really excited. Last year was our largest Half of the House offering in spite of all the difficulties that our community was facing. I think just simply because people have vision, we want to touch this community, we want to put a stake in the ground that is here for our children's children. And by the grace of God, we will be doing it. But now I'm going to preach. It was the ninth century B.C., a long, long time ago, uh, 22, uh, sorry, 2,022 years minus about 900 years going back in time. And God's people were being oppressed terribly by their enemies. And the prophet Joel sort of spoke into that whole situation and he encouraged them, look, if you just turn to God with all your hearts, God can turn this around. 
God's people had been living in pain. They'd been oppressed. They didn't know the way forward. They didn't know where God had somehow disappeared to in their life. At one point, he'd been so real and front and centre. And now, in the 9th century BC, they were struggling with their enemies all around and storm clouds were gathered on every horizon. Pornography had taken their zeal. They'd begun to trust cryptocurrency and the housing market for their provision instead of their God. They were leaning on all kinds of things to prop them up. They'd sat in front of their TV screens for a couple of years straight watching Netflix and eating unhealthy snacks. But the worst thing is they're actually in danger of forgetting Missio Deo, the Latin term, the mission of God, was just dull in their heart. Sorry, I might have got my dates a bit confused with those examples, but it can be dangerous. We can find ourselves living there really, really quickly. And this is why Scripture speaks right out of 900 BC to our today. Who wants to hear what the prophet said? He said, if you turn back to God, this is what God is about to do. Joel chapter 2, verse 28, 29. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And it'll be an event that would not just deliver them from their enemies, but it would actually actually refire their passion for everything concerning the kingdom. I am far more excited about that than you. You're still stuck on some of the examples I, I used, aren't you? I was just trying to be relevant. Just trying to mirror what I think all of us at times see. So I want to talk about reimagining discipleship today. And the title of my message is the, the Power Source of the Disciple. The Power Source of the Disciple. And I'm going to smooch across, if I can, to the New Testament now and Acts chapter 2. And we're going to pick up a feast of Pentecost where God pours His Spirit out on the church for the first time. It's 50 days since Passover. It's 50 days since Jesus Christ went to the cross in this passage. This is 50 days later. They've moved from the feast of Passover where Christ was crucified and raised. They're now 50 days. It's Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Are we allowed to talk about that in our church today? Online if you're joining us, I know we don't talk about this often. Welcome to the party. And they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Peter's so filled with the Spirit, 
Overjoyed, they tumble out into the street and a crowd gathers mocking them. I don't know what the, what the symptoms of being filled with the Spirit were, but it looked like drunkenness. Because that's what they were accused of. And Peter stands up his famous speech. These men are not drunk as you suppose, but they, this is that. And I want to read this passage again because Peter then quotes the prophet Joel. And he says in verse 16 to 18, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And that day, 3,000 people lined up for water baptism. Not just a soft confession. Not just I might pick up a Bible on the way out. That's all a great step. But people who said, I'll nail my colours to the wall. As my Saviour was dead and buried, I shall follow him through the waters of baptism and proclaim to the world that I belong to him alone. 3,000 in one day. Wasn't a bad day in church for Peter. And we have the beginnings of the Christian church. There it is right there, founded on the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out. And I am so convinced and have always been so convinced, but I tell you, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of it. The Christian life was never meant to be lived on anything less than the power of the Holy Spirit pulsating within our hearts, making the cross light up, basically, you know, focusing us on our risen Saviour as the hope of the world. And we can get distracted from that. We can just get busy with, with, with doing church. Israel was just doing church, oppressed by their enemies, but just sort of limping along, you know. But that promise came to them. It took a while for it to be fulfilled. <laughs> but man, when it was, we're sitting here today because of what happened on that first day of Pentecost. Spirit poured out. And spirit-filled people have been moving the church, moving the kingdom forward for 2,000 years through oppression, through pestilence, through war, through famine. Nothing has stopped the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm convinced it's when we get back to our spiritual roots and we allow God to do something. We don't want to just sit in church and learn stuff. Sometimes I think I've got a reasonable sort of a teaching gift on my life, but sometimes it drives me nuts. Because if we just educate our heads and we don't get a passion in our heart, we are one generation off extinction as a church. So, you want to see what happened next? <laughs> Come on, you got to preach it with me today. Some of you are unsure. Some of you are ready to clock out. So I came in in the last season. This is what I wasn't signed up for. I thought it was a happy Baptist church. I'm sorry, we're Assemblies of God now called the Australian Christian Churches. And we are Pentecostal in theology and practice. We just don't get weird in public, okay? <laughs> don't do that. I had enough of that in the 80s. Here's what happened next. Miracles of healing and deliverance. I love this story. The very next chapter, I'm only going to look at a couple of chapters because that's all I need because something happens in every chapter of the book of Acts. It's well being called, it could have been called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> 
<laughs> Peter and John go up at the hour of prayer and they're at the gate beautiful outside the temple and there's a beggar there who's begging just for a few cents, just enough to survive on. And the famous words again, Peter's, Peter's, he looks good when the Holy Spirit's on him, I tell you. Most of the time, if you read the Gospels, he's putting his foot in his mouth. Once the Holy Spirit's on him, there was no holding him back. A lot of us would be the same if we'd let God do that. <laughs> and Peter says, silver and gold, have I none? I don't have that. I don't have that stuff. But what I do have, <laughs> what I do have, I give to you. Reaches down and they lift him up and the man's legs are strengthened. And I love this verse, verse 8 says, So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. <laughs> Don't you love it? Oh, come on, is there a Pentecostal in the room? Hey, we don't fly the flag very often for it, do we? But come on, are our hearts stirred? I haven't convinced any more than the front row. Come on, are your hearts stirred? Your heart's stirred. Man, I love it. This guy, totally set free, power of the Holy Spirit. I just, with all my heart, believe God wants to do these things. Wants to touch people. And yes, sometimes it's just someone who's emotionally crippled. Or sometimes it's someone whose issues might not be that prominent. But I do believe and desperately want to see God heal broken bodies and very sick people too. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray for you again, Jason. I saw you in the... Uh, in the foyer, we need to pray for you again today. I hope you're still here. God still wants to do it. These are the things that happen. Miracles of healing and deliverance. God's undeniable presence is another thing that we see. If we go to the next chapter, Acts chapter 4. They're in trouble. Everyone go, oh, ooh. Everyone go, ooh. <laughs> the apostles are in trouble because they've been out preaching, turning the world upside down. Well, a few suburbs of Jerusalem at this point. And so they get in trouble. They get dragged in and they're sort of, they're asked, you know, why are you preaching and teaching in this name of Jesus? And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power, by what name have you done this? They'd healed a guy, the guy at the gate, beautiful. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, and he goes on and he preaches Christ the Messiah to them. Then verse 13 and 14. These guys who are sitting in judgment, these are the, the religious entrenched power brokers <laughs> sitting there in their judgment seat. Oh man, I love what they see. It's like they didn't actually have to hear what Peter said, but when they heard what he said, it says, now when, the, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, in other words, there was nothing special about these guys. They marvelled. It's not what you normally do with a grassroots person, is it? You don't normally marvel at them. And they're marvelling and it says, and they realised they'd been with Jesus. <laughs> Hang on, wasn't he crucified? 
<laughs> He's gone 50 days. Raised from the dead, but as far as they were concerned, he was gone. They were desperately trying not to believe it. And all of a sudden they had undeniable proof that Jesus the Christ is alive. These guys, they are just fishermen. These guys are like village idiots. Peter used to act like one. But there is something about them, the boldness and the fire with which they speak, the conviction. And guess what they recognise? They recognise that same thing that they tried to extinguish when they crucified Jesus Christ. And they said, this guy has been with him. Man, when the Holy Spirit's on you, there is an undeniable sense of God's presence on your life. When you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and usher you into His presence, there is an undeniable experience. And we cannot afford to be cerebral Christians. I think we need to be clever. I think we need to be smart. I think education's a good thing. But at the end of the day, Jesus said, you must be born again. Something spiritual must happen. Born of water and born of the Spirit. Born of woman and born of heaven. And we need the Spirit's power. It transforms you. It transformed these men. Come on, are you hungry for the presence of God? In your life, not just in a room, but in your life. The Spirit poured out. Just think about it. The Spirit who created all things, upholds all things indwells all things. Man, if you're weary, if you're tired, if you're broken, if you're disillusioned, if you're discouraged, if you're in chains of sin and you really wonder whether you should give up or not and what's next and is God finished with me or not, just get filled with the Holy Spirit. God's not finished with you yet. God wants to revive you. And maybe that's never been your experience. Maybe you're some of our newer Christians And this is the first time you've heard this. Can I say, at the end of this meeting, we're going to pray for people. You need to be first up the front. Let the Holy Spirit fill you and you'll speak in other tongues. And you'll be built up in your most holy faith and you'll have boldness to proclaim Jesus' name and be a witness even to the ends of the earth. You'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Come on. Oh, come on. I feel like I'm still preaching to... I'm preaching to 20 of you now. Here's another thing, church growth. I've already talked about it in Acts chapter 2, of course, with that startling day. But listen to what continues to happen. And I'm just going to lift a phrase out in Acts chapter 5, verse 1, oh, sorry, verse 12. The, just the second half of the verse, it says, and they were all with one accord. I guess you could put it this way. They were all on the same page about what God was doing amongst them. They all felt the same way. They were all with one accord. I've got no doubt they had different beliefs. They had different opinions. They had all of that. But when it come down to what the Spirit was doing, it was the unifying factor. My goodness, we've just come through a season where so many things have sought to divide us from politics to opinions to whatever. The ignorance that has tried to divide us. But when the Spirit comes, He's the focus. He's the one that pulls us back together. And I want to encourage you, if you're here, if you're struggling in relationships, if you're struggling with being disenfranchised or feeling like you've burnt bridges, get full of the Spirit. He'll do something to unify your heart that will overflow to those around you. 
and bring unity back. Man, God wants to do this. God's not looking for a fractured society. It's not who's in or who's out. Jesus died for the whole world. For God so loved, we forget that verse. For God so loved people who think the same way I do. For God so loved people who go to the same church that I attend. For God so loved the world. Let the Spirit do something to pull it back together. Come on, can we believe for that? Verse 14, that unity, this is what it brought. Believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of men and women. Church, can we believe for that? (laughs) Coming out of COVID, I've just got to say, I think the whole COVID thing, it has been probably the most difficult season, certainly in my lifetime, for outreach. (laughs) It's like, who's going to invite someone into a a church service like this when when you think your neighbour might kill you? And it didn't happen. We had very few guests. Uh, most of our, you know, I guess new people coming in were coming through life groups. Thank God for the life groups. But it was even difficult for life groups to invite someone to something. Because there was this fear and this concern. It's been a difficult season. But I'm asking as church, could we rally? Could we like break out of the COVID cocoon and think about Missio Deo? Think about the mission of God. Think about why the Spirit was poured out. I love Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what the Spirit's about. It's not about singing jollies in church. I mean, I love to worship God, and I love to be high on Jesus. But if that doesn't translate to an overflow into my marketplace and my friends and my families, then it's so selfish, it's unbelievable. To keep Jesus to ourselves would be the most selfish thing we could imagine. And the Spirit, I've I've got no doubt Peter and John would have totally kept Jesus to themselves. They were behind locked doors in a prayer meeting when the Holy Spirit showed up. But the moment they were filled with the Spirit, they were out on the street proclaiming Christ in power. Come on, do we need God to do that? Is, is this just a moment, Pentecost Sunday, to put a marker in our lives and say, how about we just get filled with the Spirit and go on mission? Does that sound like a good idea? Get back to basics, that's what Jesus died for. Oh, we need to do a Jesus Mexican wave. I'm going to start over here because I know Dave will be on the money. Okay, you ready? If you believe we need to get filled with the Spirit and go on mission, as I point, Dave. Whoa. And what we're saying is, God, we're in. We're up for it. We are sick of the COVID cocoon. Yes, things have changed in society. Yes, mentalities have changed. I just really believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, God's calling His people to transcend that. For goodness sake, God's people have gone through world wars 
in the middle of it. Right now in the Ukraine, Ukrainian Christians are hiding in basements while it's being bombed outside. And you know what? It's only going to make the church bigger. I, just, I heard testimony last week that the, the refugees are planting thousands of little church groups everywhere they go across the border into Poland and places that have been cold and dark for years. Oh, God will always have his way. God will. We get shaken. We get caught up and tripped up and something at our toe. And God is looking at all of human history. I just think he's got a bigger picture. And I'll tell you, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you get a bigger picture of life too. You're no longer prepared to stumble around in the mud. I just want to tell you, I am happy. Okay. I'm really excited. I'm happy. I'm full of joy by Holy Spirit. But I thought I'm going to preach today. Might be a while since I have. So I'm just, just preaching it how I got it, okay? Is that all right? It's a bit messy. No, it's, it's all a bit messy, but we're having fun. Is that okay? Okay, we've got to talk about Jesus. We've got to talk about Jesus in this and just where he fits in this equation. Because there is an amazing promise in John chapter 7 concerning our future, concerning what he wants to do in us now, what he did and what he continues to do for open hearts. John chapter 7, and I'm going to ask the team to come back if they would. John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. And it's, uh, it's talking about the feast of Pentecost, possibly two years before Christ went to the cross. So going back in time now, it might have been the year before. A lot of scholars say it was two years before. You know, they worked things out on calendars, etc. But before Jesus went to the cross, he goes to the feast of Pentecost, the, the previous years. And it says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, and, and these aren't just superlatives thrown in there, that's literally what Hebrew people call it. Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. In one sense, it's, well, why are you drinking out of a muddy puddle? Why are you trying to find your refreshment in entertainment and sport and making your body look beautiful? Some of those things might not be bad, but if they are our source, we're doomed. As human beings and Christians, just look at the world out there. Come to me if you're thirsty. Come to me if you're hungry. Come to me if you're tired. Come to me if you're weary. Because I've got something for you to drink that's going to change everything. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, not a dulled down version of Jesus. Not a dulled down version of the Holy Spirit. I mean, what the book says, what the book of Acts says, wherever they were filled with the Spirit, miracles were following, conversions were following, deliverances, healings, everything. It was all breaking out everywhere they went. When Jesus said, when you believe in me like that, you'll see it. As the Scriptures has said, out of his heart, out of her heart, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. 
the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Jesus had not yet been glorified. We're talking the year before at least. He went to the cross and was raised. And the author feels the need to put a note in there. John puts a note in there. He's not talking about water now. He's, he's shifted. That was, a, that was just a metaphor. <laughs> Come to me and drink if you're thirsty. That's a metaphor for something so much more. And, and John says, hey, hey, don't miss this. This is the Spirit. This drink you're going to drink is a spiritual drink. You're not going to find it in a bubbler out in the foyer. Come to me and drink spiritual water. And then out of your heart, will flow rivers. What a promise. Just a few points to note. Like he, John has to clarify it. The last great day of the feast was the climax of the feast. And all the people gathered in Jerusalem, they bought their first fruits. It is a big party. And on the last and great day of the feast, the priests would march round and round six times in the temple courts. And then they'd go up to the top to the stairs and they'd pour out these big water pots and water would run down, flow right down over the stairs and all the people would give a big shout. And it reminded them that in the desert, in the driest of times, God had been their refreshing. God had been their provision. There would be crops next year because they could trust God. They weren't tied to crypto. I've got nothing against that, by the way. I'm just using it as an example. Because I meet Christians sometimes and I think they preach that gospel more than they do Jesus. And as that water flowed down the steps, it's not hard to picture that that's where Jesus says, that last great day of the feast, remember John is picking it up. On that day, Jesus stands up and says, if you're really thirsty, it's not that that's running down the steps that you're celebrating. You can find it right here. You can find it right here. And you know, often we even sing songs that are like, Holy Spirit come, Holy Spirit fall. He's within you. If you're a child of God, if you know Jesus, He's within you. He just wants to bubble up. And if you're with us and you'd say, well, that hasn't been my experience. I, I haven't opened my heart or surrendered to Christ. Friend, if you do, that's going to be your experience. <laughs> You believe in Jesus the way the Bible talks about Him, not the way some religious people talk about Him, but the way the Scripture says, then out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water. You're not going to be walking around depressed, wondering what's coming next. You're going to be out of breath pursuing what God's put in your heart. And the only question for us is, are we thirsty? Are we thirsty? And I'm not assuming today. I'm not assuming that we are. I'm not assuming that you're not totally filled with the Spirit and you couldn't take another drop of living water. Not assuming either end. What I want to do is create an opportunity. And we're just going to pray for people. In that good old-fashioned Pentecostal way, <laughs> I just want to, I guess, open the floor. Once upon a time, we would have said the altar. It seems a bit weird now, Rochelle, doesn't it? And maybe the service crew might come and shift a few chairs. But I just want to invite you if, if, number one, if your Christian experience, genuine, authentic, you, you love Jesus, 
But the baptism, the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, the experiences of the book of Acts, they're not necessarily your experience, but you want them to be. Can I just say, Joel said, I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. No one gets left out. And if you're hungry for God to fill you, then, then I'm going to invite you to the front in a few moments. You know, some of us might feel like the fire's burnt down or we've just, you know, we've maybe just backed off, shrunk in this last season. I want to encourage you, get fired up. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. And it can happen right where you're seated or maybe you want to come and join other folk down the front. I know this is different for us. And if you're online, I really, really want to encourage you right where you are, believe believe to receive. I've, I've got faith for you in your lounge room. I've got faith for you driving in your car, listening to me on your ear pods right now. I, I don't know what your situation is, but I've got faith for you. If you reach out to God, I believe God wants to fill you. If you, All you've got to do, the only prerequisite is to be hungry, to be thirsty, to want something more. To go, man, I don't just want to live a cerebral existence out of my head. And what I think, look how that's messed people up in this last season. When Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Come on, are we ready?